Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good morning. Welcome, Leapers. Welcome to uh, Leap. I'm Errol McLinden. I am a project and mindset coach in the Chicago area, and I do this show every other week at 11 o'clock Central Time for one hour. Uh, My background is that I have worked with medical students for 12 years. I have worked with communication skills, and last year I decided I would reshift and begin working with people with large projects, uh, projects that spanned a year, two years, three years. So that's that's what I do. So that's the reason that this show exists. This show is called Leap. It is for anyone considering taking a leap, anyone in the middle of taking a leap, anyone who's ever dreamed of taking a leap. Uh, we will cover topics every other week that are concerns uh, within uh, that address concerns of anyone who is either an entrepreneur, a new business owner, an artist. I work with a lot of artists and musicians. I also work with people who are not necessarily taking the leap by choice, who have been shoved off the edge of the cliff. And these would be people like who are out of work. I have a couple of wonderful clients who are redirecting their talents, their interest, and their passions. When uh, occurrences happen where you are thrown into the abyss. You are suddenly without a job. Uh, as a coach, I don't care how you got there. I'm always excited that you are there. But the normal tendency in that situation is to start to scramble and take whatever comes along first. Now, I will acknowledge that there are times in someone's life when you may need to do that, to pay rent, to buy food, But if you have the luxury of having some savings or having a support system who can help you uh, along financially, that's usually the the reason people start taking anything they can. When you lose a job or get out of a job or quit a job, it is a wonderful time to reassess and reinvent yourself and decide, what would I be doing if time and money were no object? And if you answer that question and that thing that you come up with has the slightest possibility of happening, I always encourage my clients to pursue that. So my my background is heavy with communication. I've worked with doctors. I've worked with nurses. I'm currently working with filmmakers. Uh, I'm working with a lavender farmer who is in her first year of her lavender farm. I'm working with craftsmen, artists and craftsmen, uh, musicians, Anyone who has a dream that, that they feel like is going to be a major choice for them, a bold choice. So, and this is what this show is about. So let's get started. Today's topic is overcoming naysayers. 
The first thing that happens when someone takes a leap, makes a bold choice, is that they are bombarded many times by people who think they have made the wrong choice. The first thing I always tell my clients is the only person who has the right to tell you that you've made a wrong choice is you. All the other words and text and emails that you get that tell you you made a wrong choice is just garbage. It's just garbled. It's like, uh, wah, 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 wah. and that's the way you should approach it. Because no one takes a leap without fully assessing the options and the possible downsides of that leap. Everyone plays that out in their mind and then makes a edu- an educated decision to make that leap. A lot of places that sell things to you. There's always a clause in their contract that gives you 24 hours or 48 hours to back out of that sale, buyer's remorse, because that is when these negative voices start coming in. Oh, my goodness, I just bought this health care plan. Oh, my goodness, I just bought this car. Oh, my goodness. So it's well known that the philosophy and the psychology behind that is that in that first 24 or 48 hours after making a bold decision is when you usually share it with other people. And even though there are a lot of supportive people out there, the ones you're going to hear the loudest are going to be the naysayers because they represent all the doubts you felt in your mind before you made this leap but magnified because now you're hearing it from real people before you imagined much of it, but now you are hit with the reality of it. So we're going to launch into the subject, into the topic. This is an interactive show and you can interact in a number of ways. You can call in guest call in is 646-716-9397. And when the phone answers, hit one, and you will come up on my screen as waiting to talk to me, and I'll be glad to talk to you. This can take several forms. If you have a question, if you would like some coaching on your particular leap or your particular project, or if you want to challenge me on anything, I am more than welcome to accept challenges. My opinion is that if I can't support what I'm saying – then I shouldn't be saying it. And along the same line is when I'm challenged, I also learn from you as to what your perspective is. I've often said, if I've coached one person, I've coached one person because everyone's approach, perspective, uh, background, experience, everyone is unique. So there is no cookie cutter approach to coaching. There is no manual I can hand you. There is no book you can read to get you through a project. There's some excellent resources that will assist in that. But that's why I offer time on my radio show uh, to talk about those things that are specific to yourself. If you are listening this archived after the, fa- after the show is over, then please feel free to send me an email at errol.maclinden at gmail.com and let me know your questions, comments, criticisms. 
if you would like to be a guest on my show and bring your particular leap, your particular goals onto the program and talk to me about that, get some wonderful online coaching, uh, on-air coaching, I will be glad to do that. The other thing I offer to anyone who is considering a project, a bold choice, I will offer you two hours of free coaching that's through, uh, we can do that on the phone, we can do that through Skype, uh, just, and I won't try and sell you anything. It's just my way of helping you put things in order, in perspective, a way of knowing how you can become accountable to move yourself forward in your project. So let's get going. Any leap gets criticism. Now, I talked to my friend who is doing the lavender farm, and she has not encountered that. So I have to modify this statement in saying that there may be an instance with a very supportive family, very supportive friends where you don't hear criticism. But I will say that is very unusual. Most of the time, you will hear criticism. When I started my coaching, especially when I started coaching the goal-oriented coaching, the project-oriented, I I sat down and tried to analyze why do people criticize someone? Why, where does this come from? By learning and understanding where the criticism originates, we can build a strong strategy session on how to overcome it, how to sidestep it, how to overlook it. So the thing that I discovered is that there are two main reasons that people will criticize your decision to take a leap, to make a move forward. Number one is they're jealous, and we've heard that since we were kids. He's picking on me. Well, you know why he's picking on you? He's just jealous of you. But this really has some substance. This really has some meat behind it. I talk to people every day about their passions, and a lot of times the first thing I ask them is, what do you do for a living? And they'll tell me, and then I'll say, is that your passion? And the answer the majority of the time, more than the majority, is no, it's not. Then I will say, what is your passion? A lot of people don't know. It's just this feeling that there should be a fire in their life. Or they know and they've shoved it under because, oh, I'm too old. I'm not smart enough. Uh, My artwork was never good enough. When I was seven years old, my dad said my artwork was silly, and that stayed with me for the next 37 years. But for some reason, there's still that fire there. But a lot of people deny it. They shove it down. They really bury it. One of the main things I do in coaching is sit with people and say, let's dig that back out again. How realistic is it? How practical is it that you pursue that now? But the point of this is because people have these passions or don't know what their passion is, there's an instinct, a human instinct to want to be driven, to be on fire. We find it when we fall in love. We find it when we start a new project that is really dear to us. We feel it in our heart We feel it in our breathing. We get excited about it. We can't wait. We sit up till 3 in the morning working on it. We get up at 4 in the morning to start working on it again. There's this energy. And everyone 
has felt a touch of that, whether it was in a sixth grade science fair project or it was winning uh, a third grade softball game. There's people, we've all touched it. The sad thing is the majority of humans in their adulthood push it aside. So when they see someone taking that dream of theirs and actually pursuing it, they feel jealous, they feel resentment, they feel guilty at not having pursued their dreams. And the natural way for them to react to that is to try and shut down your dream. And they will do it in so many ways. They will do it with kind words. They will do it with examples of other people who failed. If they have ways of making your path more difficult, they will. So know that there is a very selfish reason involved when people come to you and say, that's eh, a nice idea, but do you really think you can do this? That's a naysayer. Now, the other side of that is that they may sincerely be worried about you. This often happens with family members. They don't want you to get hurt. They don't want you to fail. So the easiest way to make sure you don't get hurt and don't fail is don't try. Oh, you've got a great house. You've got a great job. Why would you do this? You know, this is so risky. Let's let's take that money and go to uh, the Dells for the weekend. Let's let's if you need some time off and away from your job, take a week off and let's let's uh, let's do a staycation so you you'll feel more excited about your job. There is sincere concern there. Mainly family members. It can be friends. It can be people who tried and and it didn't work out for them. They don't want you to go through that hurt. Which one do you think? is the hardest to bring around to your side, the jealous or the truly caring? The easiest to bring around to your side is the jealous because basically all you have to do to bring them around is to start showing signs of success. Their jealousy will increase, of course. You also may be the momentum to make them get off their butts and do their thing. And I've seen that happen a number of times. I've had clients come to me and say, I talked to my friend who owns a comic book store, and he wants to expand into a mall, and this is my doing my thing has made him start looking at real estate for this. So, but they're the easiest. Family members are much more difficult. It takes much more time to bring them around to your side. You can show success, but because theirs is not invalidated by your success, theirs is still a concern that you're still going to get hurt. You're still going to fall down. You're still going to fail, and you're going to still hurt whether it happens early in the, in the uh, objective or later in the objective. Many times the family members will stay skeptical and be naysayers all the way through to when you are touring around the country doing workshops 
nationally and internationally, family members will still hold their breath. So what strategies do we have for overcoming naysayers? They're very influential, especially family members. They are our loves. They are our lives. They are connected to us through blood and through our heart. So when they tell us something isn't a good idea, we sense that it's coming from a heart. It's not coming from a jealousy. And we want to please them, especially if it's a mother or a father. We are in a society where we honor our father and mother in most situations. And when they are telling us something is a bad idea, my goodness, they've done it for us all of our life, and they've never steered us wrong. But there are many, many strategies, and we talked about these today and how to use them in cases, which uh, situations they work the best in. So, and, but how you use these strategies is, bound to, is down to not how you approach or deal or answer or talk to the other people. I am a mindset coach. My job is to change your mindset. And in order to do that, we work internally. We look, work at how you view and perceive what other people are saying and doing to you. And then we explore if there's a different way of viewing that or uh, taking that in. Looking at that other way of looking at it, what, how does that change our perception of life and the world. So a, a quick example, and I've used this before, but just so that you'll know the way that mindset coaching works is that you're driving along and someone cuts you off in traffic. If you're like me, my first instinct is this guy is a jerk. I scream at him. I honk my horn. I get so upset. And the guy usually just drives on and gets where he wants to be because he's achieved what he wanted. He's gotten into the other lane. He has gone on in front of that truck, and he's happy, and he doesn't know, and he doesn't mind if I care if I honk at him or gesture at him. He's achieved what he wants. I'm the one whose blood pressure goes up. Now, <laughs> same scenario. I'm driving along, and the guy cuts me off and, and shoots in front of me in the, other, in, the front, in the lane in front of me. I change my mindset. I say, oh, my goodness. I hope he hasn't gotten a call from the hospital that a family member is, is, has been in a wreck and is, is in dire need for him to get there. Or even less critical. I, oh, my goodness. I, I sometimes actually look at my clock, and it'll be like 5 of 8, and it's like, oh, my goodness, he must need to be at his office at 8 o'clock. Unless it's right here, he's not going to make it. I hope that doesn't mean it jeopardizes his job. That's changing your mindset. If I think that, and believe me, it's very hard in Chicago traffic to think that over and over and over, I stay calm. He goes on and does whatever he wants. Is that a reality of what's happening to him? There's no way for me to know, but it's as much of a reality as thinking he's a jerk. But I breathe. I stay calm. I hope he gets where he is safely, and I hope it isn't a crisis on the other end. I hope he doesn't use it, lose his job. But what it does to me internally is it changes my reality, and it changes the way I view the world. And in essence, it changes my world. So that's what we'll talk about today in naysayers. On the surface, a naysayer is feeding you data, is giving you information, 
And a lot of times when we are in that very vulnerable place of starting a new project where we're not really sure, we've just stepped off the cliff and we're thinking maybe this wasn't a good idea, very normal, natural for everyone to feel that. And suddenly to have emails, text, and phone calls saying, oh, my goodness, uh, you know, my, my cousin tried something like this two years ago and bankrupted himself. Or my sister tried this and, and you know, she ended up completely with a, a, a mental breakdown over the thing. Are, are you sure you have enough money to do this? Are you, do you really think you should have left your job? Those are all very normal things to hear when you're taking a leap, either out of jealousy or out of real concern. So we're going to break down the types of naysayers, or not necessarily the types of naysayers, but the types of strategies for overcoming naysayers, and look at those individually. Again, the call-in number here at my show is 646-716-9397. Press 1 to be on air with me. If you have any questions, comments, or strategies, uh, specific uh, leaps that you have made that you want to hear strategies for, you're listening to this after the fact, you can email me uh, at errol.mclinden at gmail.com. The spelling of my name is in the show title always. So we're going to start with one of the first strategies, one of my favorite. So if you have normal color hair, and that's a judgmental thing, but let me make me more specific. If your hair is not blue, I'm going to run a little exercise with you. If your hair is blue, listen to the exercise, but substitute a different color. All right? So, here we go. Your blue hair makes you look like a clown. It's ridiculous. Number one, you're too old to have blue hair. Your blue hair is not a natural color. If God had meant for people to have blue hair, he would have made us with blue hair. You you look like a kid. And is that ever going to come out? I mean, why would you do that? Why would you put yourself out like that in front of people with a hair color that is totally unnatural. The blue hair makes you look like you have no sense whatsoever. Like you're, you're just a, a, a complete idiot. Okay. So if you do not have blue hair, if I was saying things like that to you, how would you feel? How would that make you feel? The answer is... It shouldn't make you feel anyway, anyway because you're going to look back at me and say, you're the idiot because I don't have blue hair. Now, apologies to blue hair people. I, I, my director of my current show has blue hair. It's lovely. I love blue hair. Please don't write me emails about blue hair. I am a very big advocate of blue hair. Blue is a very, very one of my favorite colors. But if you were listening and you do have blue hair and you substituted pink or green or yellow or whatever, uh, the same thing should apply. What I was saying just didn't apply to you. So why do you let someone 
come in and tell you things about your leap, your choices that you've thought through. No one makes a leap. No one just gets up in the morning and says, I think I'll start a business, or I think I'll quit my job, or I think I will become a professional musician today. You take a leap after researching, planning, strategizing, organizing. You've put your homework in on this leap. Now, I know some people who have made leaps, and when you lose a job, you may have been shoved into a leap right away. But you are not going into anything totally blind, and you know what's right for you. So the number one strategy when you get naysayers, especially people who try and bombard you with facts or stories, someone always knows someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who did this, and it was a total disaster. I don't care if someone walks up to you and says, I did this last year, and it was a total disaster. Their situation, experiences, and background were unique to yours. So looking at them as if they are saying you have blue hair when you don't is the number one strategy. Listen to them. If they're family members and friends, nod and smile. Nod and smile because people will read that as, oh my goodness, they're listening to every word. They're taking in everything I'm saying. That avoids any sort of conflict. You don't have to argue with them, nod and smile, and do exactly what you're doing. They are usually addressing you from a very emotional place, whether it's jealousy or concern, but they are totally uninformed. So treating them that way, basically not hearing them is the easiest strategy. Not as easy to do with people you care and love, family members, friends, spouses, significant others. I will grant you that, that it's very difficult. And especially if it's a, a significant other that you live with where you, they can see you choosing to go forward. But don't let it dig in. Don't let it get into you emotionally. Don't let it get into you intellectually and make you start thinking. Look at them as if they're saying something totally nonsensical to you, like your blue hair is ridiculous. Now, if you do want to defend, if you do want to explain, and this is usually wonderful and very necessary for family members, partners, there, there is a need the questions will come up. What made you decide to do this? What are your plans for this? Things like this. Hows, H-O-W-S, are very, very flimsy. They do not stand up. They are the building blocks, and they are the stepping stones for how you are going to get from A to Z. But they are also very vulnerable because someone who is a naysayer can look at them and say, oh, that'll never work. Or that's going to cost a lot of money or, the, or you don't have time to do that. When are you going to do that? What about the kids? How are you going to do that with the kids out of school? 
they're going to try and break apart your house. The thing they have a hard time breaking apart and the thing that you are going to use as your weapons are your whys, W-H-Y-S. So when I work with clients to start on a leap, a project, we absolutely tie down the why they're doing the project. And this goes back to some episodes I did before with emotional goals. The hows are your strategies to get to your why. Before you make a leap, if you are in control of the leap, you need to know why you are doing this. Why do you want to be a filmmaker? Why do you want to have a lavender farm? Why do you want to start this brand new business? Why Your why has to be so, so powerful because those are your arguments. When someone asks you, how are you going to deal with this with the kids at home all day? You can say, I'm going to have to figure that out because I want this to be a legacy for my kids. I want them to know that they also don't have to just grow up and work for somebody. They can follow their passion. So that's what I want for my children. I'm going to involve them with the process. I'm going to keep them with me all the way along. I'm going to explain on times I can't be with them. Not that I can't be with them, but why I can't be with them. Not the specific reason or the specific obstacle, but because I'm building this, because this is something that's very important to me, and someday you will have something. So keep that why very strong, very powerful. This is very defensible because no one can question your why. If I say to you, I want to do this because I want to leave behind a presentation that will help everyone else who has decided they want to honor a past ancestor, you can't, you can't counter that. You can tell me you think it's a crazy idea. Yeah? You think I have blue hair? That's great. That's good. That's the way you perceive it. But the hows are very, very vulnerable. People can find, devil's advocates can find a dozen different ways for every single how not to work. I'll go through this exercise very, very quickly. I did it very early on, but it basically is write your objective. Write your where you want to be at the end of your journey. And then think about how you are going to feel. Put yourself at the end of your journey. How will you feel in that situation? Really close your eyes and think, I am there. I have arrived. I've written my book. I'm doing world tour with it. I have, uh, I have made my film. I'm working on my second feature. How will I feel? That feeling is your true objective. That's your true goal. The goals that you have probably listed, I want to have my feature film up there, is your objective. It are your stepping stones. It is your strategy for getting to your objective. So you have your hows. Your why is how are you going to feel when you get there? Why, Why am I doing this? Why am I putting this time in? Just a quick reminder, this is a guest call-in type of program. So if you have something you would like to call in for, the number is 646 
716-939-7397. Uh, you hit one to get into the network. If you want to call, contact me after the show is over and either arrange to come on the show or have specific questions uh, or comments or would like to have something discussed in terms of your own particular object objective or leap, um, get in touch with me. I do have an agenda for the shows all the way through December, but if someone comes up with something that they are specifically concerned about, I will be glad to give a portion of my show over, a show over, or all of a show to a specific topic, because if one person is concerned about it, believe me, there are others of you out there that are concerned about it. All right. Let's move to the harshest way of dealing with naysayers. Eliminate them. No, don't arrange to have them killed. There are several ways of eliminating them, though. Minimize your time around them. You can decide to cut them out of your life. Easier to do with friends than with family. But even with family, if it becomes an issue where they, are, they walk into the room or you see their phone number on the phone and you know that every time you talk to them that they are going to say something that questions these choices you are making. Minimize the contact. You don't have to answer every phone call. You don't have to spend time with them. Oftentimes, this will generate a desire for them to be more positive. And it may mean sitting down and talking to them and saying, I love coming to your house for coffee, but the one thing I do not want to keep hearing over and over is how shaky this plan is. I need your support. And each of you will know what your relationship is with your family members. If, if it's a spouse or a partner, you, you can't very well avoid them. But you can have that honest conversation of, I really am at a vulnerable time here, and I need more positive support than negative support. This is the hardest strategy of all of them because we do care about people. It's human nature to care about people, and we care about people who care about us. This is one that I usually do very intense individual coaching on, role play on how to, because the words I'm giving you here today off the top of my head are the way I would express it to someone. Everyone's relationship with friends and family is so totally unique that you individually are the ones who know how to get through to parents, how you're not going to get through to parents. And unfortunately, sometimes the answer that comes up in my coaching sessions is you just have to see them a minimum amount of time until this leap, this goal, this choice reaches a point of success that they accept it. And as I said before, Family members are slower to accept it than friends. The other thing is 
equally as kind of brutal, but not as much, is learn, consider the source. Really take time to look at the person who has become the naysayer. Don't assess not only why they are a naysayer, but really assess their credentials for being a naysayer. And I always laugh with this because oftentimes when you really sit down and and think about this, it's humorous. I've had many naysayers in my past, and usually learning to laugh at them, maybe not in their face, but learning to laugh at them and laugh at their opinions and, and be be uh, truly amused by their opinions and lack of knowledge and misdirection is a wonderful way to take this this feeling that they are these giants who are who are judging us and, and nipping at our heels and, and and trying to wait for our very every stumble to make them these tiny little hamsters running around at our feet. Again, it's perfect for smiling and nodding. And in your head, you're thinking, that makes no sense. That's a blue hair thing. That's funny. That's funny that you think that. Do not engage by saying that out loud. There's no need in adding to the amount of time and energy you have to put in to convince people who will not be convinced. Same reason I don't post political opinions on my Facebook page, because and I don't engage with people who do. I honor their opinions, or I think their opinions are amusing, are completely idiotic. But why do would I spend time like so many people do engaging? I'm not going to win them over. I'm not going to make them change their mind. Um, there's no sentence I can say, no paragraph I can write that's going to change their mind. Well, this is the exact same thing. If you want to state your case, state your why and be done with it. Anything else is time that is taken away from you that you could be pursuing your leap. So, in this case, and here's an excellent example of this. I had, uh, I was in graduate school making $30 a month as a stipend, uh, being supported by my mother, uh, my wife. And I had a very successful brother-in-law who was in the insurance business. He won contest after contest. He went all over the world winning various incentives. And every time I was with him, he made me feel like the biggest loser in the world. He was coming over to stay with me for a week, and I was with a good friend And I was just in the worst anguish of my life over having to deal with a week around this guy, making me feel like the biggest loser in the world. And it was the same type of thing. I was in graduate school for theater, for acting. He didn't understand that at all. So me trying to explain why this, even the why on that was vague to him. There was no arguing with him. That was out of the question. He'd already gotten into my head, so the blue hair strategy was not going to work. I got a call that he was at the house. I was in the same apartment complex, and a friend said, laugh at him. I said, what do you mean? He said, when you walk in today, make a little joke, nothing offensive, 
nothing too aggressive, but make a little joke to laugh at him, humanize him, bring him down, make him, get him down in your head to a smaller person. He had driven from Mississippi to Dallas, about 400 miles, and I walked into my apartment. He was standing there in a suit and tie. That's the way he drove. That was his life. That was what he was used to doing. He was very comfortable in it. But the first thing I did was laugh, and I said, are you serious? You drove 400 miles in a suit and tie? Oh, my goodness. That is one of the craziest things I've ever heard. And you know what? The next week was absolutely pleasant. I wasn't, he wasn't this monster anymore. He was human. That little laughter that we shared, that he did share with me, brought him down to the level of appreciating me as a human being, not for what I was accomplishing or attempting. And much of what I thought he thought was probably my own creation. So learning to find humor and hear what people are saying and silently thinking how crazy it is and laughing to the inside or a little snicker on the outside is okay. Again, don't engage. Laugh openly in their face. The mindset you're trying to change is yours. You have control over that. Mindset changing the other person, no way you're going to do it. People are set. They've spent time thinking about this, worrying about you, being jealous of you. So they've created a reality in their head that's different from your reality. Which one is real? Maybe a little bit of both. Which one do you want to accept in order to move forward? You better be accepting your reality. The moment, the second you start accepting their reality, your choice is going to start breaking down. So in moments where you feel that slipping, pull out one of these strategies. It is the only way to accomplish that control, keep that control. Call-in number is 646-716-9397. Hit 1 to get into the program. If you're listening to this archived, please don't hesitate to email me with questions, comments, uh, challenges. My uh, email is errol.mclinden at gmail.com. And also, if you are interested in coming on the program at a future show, uh, I record at 11 a.m. Central Time every other Monday with your own leap, whether you are thinking about a leap, whether you are in the middle of a leap, whether you've been pushed off the cliff by being out of work, then um, please contact me and let me get you on the show and let's do some on-air coaching, talk about your leap. If you've had a successful leap, I want to interview you. One of the things that I tell people constantly is this is not an A to Z straight path. There's failures, there's stumbling blocks. I would love to talk to someone who took a leap a year, two, three years ago and has made it to the other side to talk specifically about the obstacles and how you overcame them. So these are things I'd be more than interested, very interested in talking to people on the show. I want to talk very briefly about when you get shoved off a cliff and how all of this applies, because most of what I've been talking about sounds like it applies to you if you are the one who decided on the leap. 
What happens if you lost your job? You go in one day, they're packing up people, sending them on your way. You pack your box, you're gone. Okay. Now you really are going to get a lot of input from friends and family about where to look for jobs, what jobs to look for, how to look for jobs. And anything that they don't value in terms of a, of a possible job is going to generate the naysayer in them. Everybody that I've dealt with has a dream job. And again, I, I ask you to answer the question if you were in this position. If time and money were no object, what would I be pursuing? The normal human instinct is to go to monster.com, career.com, one of the one of the career websites, put in what you think you can get what job you think you can get into the most quickly. And it's usually based on what was I just doing or what did I do in the past that seems the most marketable right now. And so they spend weeks and weeks combing through, filtering, applying, things like this. And you know what? They get a job that they hate just as much as they did their previous job. My approach is I just got fired. I have a little money. I got a severance. I got whatever. I've got some savings. I've got family who can help me out. I can do anything now. Let me think. Time and money is no object. What would I really like to do? Right now I've got a writer and I've got a artist who were in those positions. Uh, their first choices actually were not anywhere near that. So we sat down and said, if you took the same amount of time that you were going to use in your job hunting for a job that you really don't want and redirected it into creating this art that's going to be around Chicago or creating a writing career, which one do you think will take you further? Because job hunting in the standard way is very time-consuming. It can be more than a 40-hour-a-week job. Well, take that same 40 hours and pursue your dream. Oh, boy. Naysayers are going to come out of the woodwork. Why? Because they are very used to the standard procedure in job hunting. You go to these websites, you apply, you apply, you apply, you apply. You get a resume together. You hope you get an interview. You go into the interview. You get, get a second interview, and you eventually get a job. But they don't understand, oh, I'm going to take time to write some stuff and submit it, or I'm going to go around to stores, boutiques, museums in Chicago area and see if they will take my artwork. You put the same amount of time on that, and you're going to see more results in something you love, and you're going to be happier. Naysayers are going to think you have lost your mind because you're not fitting into a pattern. We don't learn in our universities and high schools 
the idea of entrepreneurship. We learn how to work for someone else. So this is so unnatural to many people. How do you deal with naysayers on that? The very same way. Why are you pursuing this job? Blue hair. Laugh at them. Stay on your path. Being out of work, even being fired, is one of the biggest, most lovely gifts you can ever be given. Because a lot of times the biggest, largest obstacle to taking a leap, to making a bold choice, is the limitations of time and energy because of another job. And very few people will just walk out and quit a job in order to pursue a dream. They juggle. And it's just, it's necessary. It can be done. But if you leave a job or you get fired or downsized or whatever the current term is, you are in a blessed position because you can now sit down after you go through the grieving and the the whole process and say, what do I really want to do right now? And you're not limited on time. You may be limited on money, but if you have a way to get even a month, and in some instances, even if you were pursuing the standard procedure of monster.com, career.com, it still could be a month. So you're going to be forced into making do anyway. Why not do it under your control and pursue what you really want to do? Now I'm going to talk about the worst naysayer. You, your inner voice. You are going to have doubts. If you don't, your dream isn't big enough. You're going to have to have doubts. It's all a part of the process. And there's a very simple response to that. You're going to first think about what happens and how will I feel if this fails. And you're going to get that. I talked about this in my last program. There's some key points in the, in the process where these things are going to come up, but they can come up any time. Something costs more than you think it was going to cost. You got turned down for a job that you really wanted. Uh, three people said no to putting your artwork in. Uh, you lose uh, some of your momentum because of a week of feeling sick, and so you didn't get something done. Maybe you don't have the energy for this. What if this doesn't work? How am I going to feel if this doesn't work? Right? Think about how are you going to feel if it does. And even worse, or better, how are you going to feel if you don't pursue this, knowing how you will feel if it does work. Oftentimes, we hit our darkest moment just before a breakthrough. When people hit a dark moment, and I talked about this in a previous show, I encourage them to take their time to step away from the project for a little bit. Binge watch TV, play video games, just sit and stare into space, uh, visit with family members. Do this, what you, do what you need to do to regroup and reassess before moving on. Don't continue to push yourself into it. That's just going to make you feel more anxious. 
more tense. Take your time, a few days, and say, I'm not doing anything with this. I just need time away from it. But during that time, ask yourself several questions. One of them being is, how will I feel if I don't do this? How will I feel if I don't try it? And I might have done this. There's an old story about a guy who bought a mine, he, uh, an old mine. He worked it, worked it, worked it, and he gave up and sold the mine. The next guy came in, came down, worked the mine, dug one foot, and hit a, a vein of gold. Gold. Um, you never know when that breakthrough is going to happen, when you're going to talk to the next person who propels you into success, when you're going to send that next email that propels you into absolute ecstasy in your project. So keep plugging. The inner voice is stronger in many ways than the outer voices that you're going to hear because you have got to deal with that. You can't eliminate it. You can't walk away from it. You can't say it's stupid. You can only work with it in terms of what if I give into it? How does it change my life? And here's the thing I say to everyone. It's fine for you to give up on something. But before you do, I want you to reassess, redesign, and recommit. You better have something different to go to. I will never let anyone give up saying, I'm just I'm through with this project. I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. I will ask, so what are you doing instead? You have so much energy. You have so much drive. Where is that going to go? What is your plan? What are your strategies over the next two weeks? What do you want to be held accountable for? If they don't know, I encourage them to continue on their path until they have something that's stronger in their viewpoint than what they are currently working on. But I also ask them to look at what they're doing, reassess it, redesign it. Maybe you've decided that you don't want to do the project as large as you were going to do it. Or maybe it's going in a different direction. Or maybe you found something. I have a friend, who I have a client who was really found one school that she wanted to work in and felt like it was her just designed for her for a lot of reasons. Just got an email from her this week saying she talked to another school. They were very interested in her because they knew of her and thought that, that, that she could get into there as an assistant after school work, things like that. This is an excellent example of really leaving a, a coaching session with me two weeks ago, really driven in one direction, something happened within those two weeks that gives her the same emotional, intellectual fulfillment that the other choice would have made, would have given her. But this has just been handed to her. So she's giving up one thing because this is so clearly somewhere else to go. She will have to reassess, redesign based on this. This will change the vision that she had the way that other school fit in. But there's nothing wrong with saying, oh, I have decided this is not the way to go. But you have to be able to say, I have decided that this other way is the way to go. If you don't have anywhere to go, stay on the path until you do. You can start looking at, uh, at uh, possibilities. And I encourage that. That's why I am not a big one for five-year plans. I know you've heard this. Not a big one for one-year plans. I'm a big one for 13-week plans. 
work a quarter of the year at the time, see how you feel, reassess. Do I want to move forward? Do I want to change? Let's look at the next 13 weeks. You can still know that in three years you want to have a producing lavender farm. But what that looks like, what are your products are you having, all of this, those can change a dozen times in three years. What, what, what am, I go, am I going to, to sell uh, bundles, pick it yourself? Am I doing skincare? Am I doing culinary? That can change. In three years, that can change 50 times, and that's all right. You can still have the big vision of what all of this looks like. I'm going to have a, a one-woman show. I'm going to have a film. I'm going to have two films. But how you get there, my filmmaker has changed directions four times, and we've only been working for three months. And it's constantly changing, but the, the vision is still there. The strategies change. So uh, we're winding up now. Again, my name is Errol McLinden. I'm a lifestyle – well, I'm a mindset coach. I am a project coach. If you have a project that you're interested in having two hours of free coaching on, get in touch with me. My email is errol.mclinden at gmail.com. Uh, we can do that by Skype or over the phone. I won't sell you anything. I won't try and get you to work with me. I love hearing people's projects. And the other thing it does for me is I have a lot of clients uh, and friends who are clients doing a lot of different things. Sometimes your project may fit into someone else's project or, or talents as a joint venture. And I love putting people together for that. Again, uh, you can also, my show is every other Monday at 11 o'clock Central Time. It will always deal with taking a leap, making bold choices, moving out into the world along your own chosen path. And it will always deal with some aspect that is uh, pretty prevalent in making a leap. Uh, come back on tomorrow. Um the show is uh, uh, tomorrow at noon. Had to look that up. Sorry, guys. Uh, Building Trust in Strong Relationships uh, with Brenda, uh, Brenda Baird and Jeff Williamson uh, from Olivet Nazarene University. Uh, this is a show about relationships within an organizational structure, could work with families, things of that sort. And very pertinent in, in taking leaps and what we're talking about today with leaving, uh, with uh, uh, dealing with family members as you make your own choices. Uh, it's very important uh, to follow your path, but keep building strong trust and relationships among your family members. Our time is just about up. Again, errol.mclinden at gmail.com. Please send me your comments, send me your critiques, send me your ideas, send me your challenges. If you would like to come on the, on the show uh, for an hour and talk about your own path, your own leaps, whether you're just starting, whether you're being challenged by a leap that you've been pushed into, you're in the middle of your leap, or you've completed your leap and you want to share your story with others who are following in your footsteps, please give me a call. Uh, send me an email, and uh, let's get together on that. Have a lovely two weeks. Enjoy the weather wherever you are. Stay cool and enjoy the last uh, month of summer. I will see you in two weeks and keep leaping.